Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Say it again. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, in the right time, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, say all, especially, say especially, to those who are of the household of faith. I love that. Our call is to do good to all, but, it, but then he uh, points out, especially those that we're in covenant with, those that we do life with, those that are in the house of God. So it says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That word lose heart means to weaken from exhaustion. Have you guys ever been there? Have you ever been at a place where you just felt like you couldn't go on? So how do we get to that place of exhaustion? Because if we're physically tired, what do we do? Take a nap, maybe, hopefully. Sleep a little extra, right? So what do we What do we? How do we get to this place of exhaustion? In Daniel 7, 25, I'll let you guys turn to it since. So Daniel 7, 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. This is speaking of the enemy. And then it goes on to say, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. So this is speaking of the enemy, Right? So what is, what is the enemy doing? He's speaking or he's accusing God. But then it goes on to say that he, he wears out the saints of the Most High. And that word wear out means to harass constantly. But this word is only used in the mental sense. So how does he wear out the saints? According to this, it's not, it's not physical attack. It's actually attacks in the soul. So the enemy's tactic is to wear out the people of God through the continual harassment of their minds. How many of you know? You know, like when you get physically tired, you can take a nap, you can get extra sleep, you can get away for a little bit. But sometimes it's hard to take a rest when you're constantly harassed in the mind. 
So one of the many reasons we guard our hearts and mind is because we want to protect the seeds or protect the investments we have already sown. I don't know about you, but I want to plant good seeds so that I can reap a good harvest. How many of you guys plant seeds so you don't reap a harvest? So let's go back to that verse again in Galatians. And let us not grow weary while doing good. What is it saying? While you're planting seeds, don't grow weary. How do we grow weary? What is the battleground here? It's the continual harassment of our mind. And then it goes on to say, for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In the New Testament, the heart represents the source of thoughts, passion, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors. So when we lose heart, another version will say faint not. Faint actually means to lose courage. So when we lose, when we lose heart, we lose the courage to step out in our passions. Right? Have you ever been so wore out that the passions, whatever, whatever, right? Your desires are, if it is, it will happen, you know, it is what it is, right? But when we lose heart, we lose courage to step out in our passions, our desires, our affections, our purposes, our endeavors. And all of these things are what motivate us, right? How many of you know your desires motivate you? Your passions motivate you. And how many of you know that you need motivation sometimes because your circumstances don't always line up to your expectations? And so sometimes you have to press through. And how do you do that? You press through by tapping into that internal motivator of our desires, our passions, our appetites, our longings. So all these things are what motivate us. So when it says we lose heart, what is it actually saying? Well, we lose courage, but we actually lose motivation. Let's go back to that verse again. And let us not grow weary. Let us not lose motivation for doing good. For in the right time, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know, sometimes the struggles of life make us lose sight of the why in what we do. Sometimes that continual harassment makes us lose sight of why we do in the what. And the why is so important because it reveals how we perceive our circumstance. So if we perceive our situation as hopeless... If we perceive our situation as defeated, impossible, broken, fill in the blank where the enemy has lied to you, right? If we see it as hopeless or defeated, our desire to continue or to persevere is weakened. It's easy to think that our desires are what control us, but the truth is what we see And how we perceive it is the catalyst to what moves us. So can you see why the enemy rages the battle in the mind? Excuse me. 
If the enemy can affect the way we see our situation, he can affect your desire for it. I'll say that again. If he can affect your, your perception of your situation, he will affect how you, how you are motivated to do it. So if you see it as defeated, how many of you want to step out in a, a defeated endeavor? How about a hopeless endeavor? How about discouraged endeavor? <laughs> right? <clears throat> so desires aren't the instigator to behavior. They are just responding to our perception. Thank you. Desires aren't the instigator of behavior. And actually, I, I pulled this from a sermon that I taught maybe about a couple months ago, and it was talking on stewarding the gift of desire. So if you want a little bit more on this, you can, you can check that out. But desires only fuel our perception. Eve saw that it was good. What is that? Her perception. And then what did it say? That she desired it. So was she controlled by her desire or was she controlled by her perception? Well, what, what did I say? Desires only fuel our perception. So if we perceive ourselves as worthless, what are our desires then motivating? If you want more on that, you can check that sermon out. But <clears throat> This is why the enemy wears us out constantly by harassing our mind. Because if he knows he can affect our perception, yeah. it will affect our motivation, which will affect what we pursue. Yeah. So God tells you to do something. You step out and all these things happen and the, the enemy continues to harass you about your worth, uh, continues to harass you about the situation. And then what happens? You lose motivation to continue. Right? Right? Because we start seeing our circumstance as hopeless. We start seeing our circumstance as defeated. We start seeing our circumstance as lacking. So if the internal battle makes us lose sight of the why, which is our perception of the situation, we won't have the courage or the motivation or the desire to continue to step out in the what. So I stated the problem. Let's get to the solution. All right. Shimon's like, thank you, Jesus. So if we've lost heart, or if we're losing heart, how do we restore heart? I believe that you must stir up the gift of God with inside of you. In 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7, for this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hand, laying on of my hands. For the oh, we know this one, right? For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So what is Paul saying to Timothy? Obviously, Timothy is experiencing some fear. One of the things that 
we know is Timothy's pretty young, right? And he's leading. So I, I can, can relate that there's some fear that you have to confront when you do that. So Paul is saying, listen, the spirit that you've been given is not one of fear or, or cowardice or intimidation, but it's one of power and love and a sound mind. And what does he say right before that verse? I want you to stir up the gift that's within inside of you. I want you to keep that gift, that desire, that passion. So whose responsibility? Whose responsibility is it? Is it Paul's? Now Paul's encouraging him, but whose responsibility is, is it to stir up? Timothy's. And guess what? When you're afraid, you don't feel like stirring anything up. So it's so important to have people in our lives that encourage us. But the truth is, the responsibility is Timothy's. You know, there's plenty of reasons why we should pull back. There's plenty of reasons why we can become disheartened. There's plenty of reasons to give up and become passive. And the enemy is willing to let you know all the reasons. All right? But I love this in 1 Peter 1.13. 1 Peter 1.13. So prepare your minds for action. I believe one of the ways that we protect our heart from losing heart is to keep our minds ready for action. And I believe if we step into passivity, that's when we allow the enemy to have his way. So it says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Now, I want you to listen to this. The enemy has determined the place of battle. Where's the place of battle? To constantly harass our mind. So either we're going to ignore it or we're going to take a victorious stance. Bottom line, that's his strategy. Are we going to prepare our minds for action? So Paul instructs Timothy to remember to fan into flame the gift that is with inside of him. Why? For one, Paul sees the value of the gift. And we know this from the verse before that because Paul said that he carries the same type of faith that his grandmother and mother had. So what is Paul saying? All the years of investment, all the years of molding you from your grandmother and your mother, there's value in that. So stir it up. Stir it up. And what is Paul doing? He's calling it forth. See, when you lose heart, you lose the motivation for even the gifts that you have. Secondly, so the first one, he saw value in Paul or in Timothy's gift. But secondly, Paul recognized that Timothy was allowing fear to stifle his gifting. What does Paul say? For God had not given you a spirit of fear. So the thing that you're functioning in right now, that's not yours. Say the fear that I'm feeling, the fear that I'm feeling is not mine. Come on. 
So what does this also tell us? Fear always replaces a dim gifting. So what does he say right before, of, right before that you've not been given a spirit of fear? What does he say? Stir up the gift, right? So stirring up the gift and having the spirit of God within inside us, they're connected. So fear will always come in where uh, gifting is lessened or weakened or dimmed. Do you have a constant struggle with fear? When was the last time you stirred up your gifting? When was the last time you stirred up your gifting? If you're always struggling with fear of others or situations, when's the last time you spoke to your gifting and stirred it up? Because fear will always take the place of a gifting. What was Paul's instruction to Timothy when he faced, was faced with fear? What was the instruction? Stir up the gift. So a stirred up gift exposes the lies of fear. Say it again. A stirred up gift exposes the lies of fear. What are the lies of fear? To disqualify, to disable, and to restrict. But when you have a stirred up gift, I'm not disqualified. (laughs) You're not going to restrict me. You're not going to disable me because I'm on fire. Does this make sense? So what does Paul say? Stir it up. Whose responsibility is that? Ours. It would be nice if it was the pastor's job. It would be great. Actually, not for me. Not not if you're the pastor. Oh, gosh. Help me, Jesus. Right? Now, we can encourage, right? We can say, you're not living up to the calling that you've been given, but it's your responsibility to stir it up. And that's kind of what I'm doing now, right? To stir up means to kindle up, to inflame one's mind. What does First Peter say? Prepare your minds for action. And Paul says stir up the gifting. And stir up means to inflame one's mind, to inflame one's strength, or to inflame one's zeal. Inflame means to intensify, to fuel. Now, this was a long time ago, and we we have some of the OGs here. But uh, when we had center stage, we had a campfire, right? And I would probably send someone out and say, get the campfire going, right? Get the campfire going. And I would come out and say, obviously, you have not been raised to be a pyromaniac. (laughs) But, and I'd say, get me. The snow sled. You know those cheap Walmart sleds that you just sit in? They're like plastic. Yeah, toboggan things. And they had this little baby fire. And I said, no, we cannot have baby fires at center stage. And so what I would do is I would take this sled and I would begin to fan it. And what happens is the, the fire would actually be sucked back, right? But what's happening is heat it changes colors, right? You didn't know the fire has different colors? 
right? I think white's the hottest, right? So I would, I would give it oxygen, right? Now, I wasn't just blowing on it. I was using a toboggan sled. <laughs> so basically, we had to say, everybody, move back. So I would do it. And then after like 30 seconds, I would stop. And what would happen? The flames would just burst through and be like three feet high. And then I would say, that's how you do it, people. That's <laughs> Yeah, I, I used to use gas until my eyebrows uh, were affected. <laughs> His uh, classic uh, antique gas can. It just has more patina on it now. So fear wants to restrict you, but your gifts are looking for a way to break out. I'll say that again. Fear wants to restrict you, but your gifts are looking for a way to break out. How do we do that? We breathe on it. When was the last time you spoke to your gifting? You know what? When you lose, your, lose heart, you know what you generally think? I have no gifting whatsoever. I have no talent, right? That's what a lo- losing heart looks like. But... But Paul says, stir it up. I guarantee even though the, that fire within inside of you might be like, you know, those little pilot lights. It might be like that, but it's still there. And all you have to do is breathe on it. So how do you fuel a fire? In the natural, you give it oxygen, right? You blow on it. You know, in Boy Scouts, I don't know. I wasn't in Boy Scouts, but you taught me. Um, you make that little teepee, right? That little baby teepee. And then you're like, no, you blow on it. So in the natural, you give it oxygen. But in the spiritual, how do we give it oxygen? You speak to who you are. This is what I've been called to do. This is what I've been called to be. This is who I am. And basically, you're, you're trying to replace truth with the lies of the enemy. So what else do you do? You come into agreement with what God has already said, what God has already promised. But the key here is no one's going to do it for you. Your gifts will never burn unless you give them substance. So if you have a little match and you give it oxygen, you blow on it, what happens? It goes out. So what do you have to do? You have to give it actually something to burn. You have to give it substance, right? So you have to place things within your life so that your passion has something to latch on to. As long as your passions remain stuck on the inside of you, they'll remain unfulfilled. How many of you have a lot of great ideas? (laughs) But if they're just in here, they'll just be great ideas, right? I mean, I have a lot of plans and thoughts and dreams. You have to give them substance to burn. You know, I really don't remember having a passion for doing worship. But the moment that I picked up the guitar and started doing it, 
the passion was ignited within me. What, what just happened? I gave a passion that I didn't even know about something to burn for. Well, God has called me to this. What have you done about it? Have you read any books on it? Have you picked up the guitar? No. God has called me to evangelist. When's the last time you spoke to someone about the Lord? You have to give your passions and your desires something to burn for. Because guess what happens? You're the evangelist and someone gets saved. Guess what that does? That ignites you. Come on. Uh, this, this is from a famous um, person, Anonymous. Um, they have a lot of quotes online, apparently. Uh, anonymous. So, Some people dream of great accomplishments while others stay awake and do them. <laughs> oh, help us all, Jesus, right? If you want to stir up the gifting within inside of you, you have to breathe on them and you have to give them substance. If we remain passive, we will forfeit our power. Actually, passivity and power are, are conflicting things. So let me give you the language of losing heart. And I've kind of said it a couple times, but whatever happens, happens. You know? Whatever happens, happens. Have you ever been at that place? I've done everything I know. Whatever happens, happens. Right? It is what it is. That was mine. It is what it is. But all these sayings are powerless. Saying, my circumstances have the power. The people around me have the power. And when I say those things, I give my power away. So when I become passive, I actually forfeit my power. We'll just see how it goes. See how it goes. No one has ever said these things before in their whole entire life. (laughs) The spirit of passivity makes you believe that you're a victim of your circumstance. Passivity is rooted in fear, but it is generally expressed through blame. Man, this wasn't as tough as when I was writing this out, but it's pretty good, pretty good stuff. Passivity is rooted in fear, but is generally expressed through blame. So sometimes it could be blaming yourself. You idiot. How could you do that? How could you say that? And so what does that do? It makes you lose heart, so it gets you to draw back. Or blaming others or blaming your circumstance and maybe even blaming God. The prevailing emotion of a victim is fear because they feel they have no power to bring change. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. The word power there is to bring change internally, but also externally. So the spirit that's been given to us gives us the power to actually cultivate what's inside of here. 
But it also gives us the power to actually bring change to the world around us. That's some power right there. And it's a spirit that, has, that is of love. And what is that love? How, how is that manifested? That is unconditional love for us. How many of you know, if you know that you are loved by God, that he is not going to reject you, that he accepts you, what does that do? It commands fear to go because perfect love casts out fear. But also love gives us power too. Because when I actually have love, when I have love, when I'm functioning in love, it doesn't matter what people say or do to me, do to around me. Because I'm powerful and I can love no matter what happens. So it's not dependent upon how I'm treated. And the spirit that's been given to us is of, of a sound mind or self-control. Meaning external circumstances will not determine my response. Meaning what is happening around me has no power to actually make me do anything. The spirit that has been given to us is one of power, but not one of control. The spirit that has been given to us is one of power, but not one of control. If the spirit wanted to control us, why would it give us self-control? But many times we fear because we're fighting for control over things that we cannot control. The spirit that's been given to us is one of power, of love, and a sound mind. So a lot of times we're fearful because we're actually trying to control something that we actually have no power to even control. Let me give you a really simple example. Someone else. (laughs) Let's just take a parent's perspective. I just don't know what they're going to do. They're acting like a complete jerk. They're doing this and they're saying this and they're acting like this. And so what we try to do, we're afraid. So what do we do? We try to control the situation. The problem lies in when our sanity depends on someone else's behavior. (laughs) Remember, passivity will express itself through blame. And the truth is, all of us have been there at some point, right? All of us have tried to control things that we couldn't control. But recognize the reason that we're doing that is because we're actually afraid. So let's say if it's a person, the spirit that's been given to me is one of love. Meaning I trust God that that person is in his hands. So that means I can let go of mine. Makes sense? A passive mind gives too much liberty to your thoughts. What does Peter say? Prepare your minds for action. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. 
On the contrary, they, are, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretentious pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love this. Make it obedient. That's a different attitude right there. It says, take every thought captive and make it obedient. That must be preparing your minds for action. Now, this is a very aggressive stance that we are instructed to to take in regard to our thought life. Why is that? Why is that? Where has the enemy decided the battleground is going to be? In our mind. This is where he wears us out. This is where he constantly harasses us. So, uh, Paul is saying here, take every thought captive because this is where the battleground is and make it obedient. You know, you know, I have three kids and they're they're all on different strength levels. And if one of the older ones don't, we'll just use Maxwell as an example. If they don't like what he's doing, guess what? They can kind of make him (laughs) do something, right? It doesn't make a great uh, environment at home when that happens. But they're using their power to make something happen. I I have to tell you this funny story. Uh, Sometimes uh, Layla and Maxwell, they'll play like mother, father. And and basically that means Layla gets the boss around Maxwell. That's what that game is. (laughs) And... And she'll be like, Maxwell, go do this, blah, blah, blah. And then I don't know if it was Aaron or if it was me, but we said, why do you let her do that? And this was the best answer I could have ever heard. He basically said, I just, left the, I just leave it alone because I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> right? Man. I was like, this man is a man of wisdom. I tell you what. But back to where I was. <laughs> Make it obedient. Make it obedient. Now, we're talking about thoughts here, right? Everybody understand what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> Honey, pastor said to make it obedient, and you have not been obedient. But if you look, that word has the connotation of submitting it to Christ. A submission. Uh, There's this sport called mixed mixed martial arts. And they have this thing. It's fighting, right? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Not sure. Maybe. People don't know. Okay. And basically, they use different types of martial arts and they fight each other in a cage. Okay. So that kind of gives you a picture of what's happening. But one of the things that they have or one of the techniques that they use are, they're called submissions. And submissions, well, let me give you a few names of them. One is called the arm bar. The banana split. I'm really not sure what that is, but I kind of got an idea. I kind of got an idea what that one is. 
rear naked choke, ninja choke, anaconda choke. <laughs> People are like, ooh. And the purpose of these chokes or these submissions are in an effort to cause the opponent to submit, to tap out, to quit, to give in. So they're wrestling on the ground and they put them in the anaconda choke or the banana split. Uh, you don't need a visual for that, but I don't know. And what, and what they do is they'll hit to tap out means I surrender. You win. I give up. So this is a stance that Paul is saying that we take with our thoughts. You have an evil thought that comes in your mind. You have a a perverted thought that comes in your mind. You have an angry thought that comes in your mind. You have whatever. Submit it to Christ. See, a lot of times we have this concept is I cast out thoughts. But what's wrong with that is it gives them room to come back. I command that thought to go. Well, okay, it left. Now it's back. I command it to go, okay, comes back. But that's not what Paul said. He said, make it obedient. Make it obedient. Submit it. Put it in a rear naked chokehold. <laughs> and submit it to Christ where that thought says, okay, 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 I'm done. I'm done. Come on. Think about it. A passive mind gives too much liberty to our thoughts. And what does Paul say? Make it obedient. Come on. Like, I know this is stuff that we've heard, but I think it's, it's addressing the type of attitude that we have to have towards it. Many times we struggle with lies because we don't have a strong foundation of truth. Truth is the only remedy to truth is the only remedy to change a lie. So when a thought comes, I aggressively submit it to truth. Oh, you want me to hold bitterness? Okay, no, 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 no. Let's go back to the word. Let's go back to where the power is, a two-edged sword, and submit it to truth. But I think a lot of times is we just go, okay, that's a bad thought. I just don't think about it. Just get rid of it. I command you to go and on with my day. But we're just giving opportunity after opportunity to, to harass. How do you stop her and harass her? You submit them or you make them obedient. Think about it. So we're taking our power back from the enemy and we're using truth to, uh, using truth to, uh, um, I can't think of the word, to address the lies of the enemy. When a feeling or thought of fear is not subject to truth, 
It opens the door for the spirit of fear. I'm going to say that again. When a feeling, how many of you have ever had a feeling of fear? It's probably pretty natural, right? If I had, I wouldn't do this because I hate snakes, but if I had a snake here, right? She would be having feelings and thoughts of fears, right? So when a feeling, say feeling, a thought, so these aren't wrong, okay? Having a feeling of fear is not wrong. They're kind of like temptations. It's what you do with them. Okay, so when a feeling or thought of fear is not subject to truth, it opens the door for a spirit of fear, which is very different. See, the purpose of fear is not to make you feel afraid. It's to control you. So what's the difference between a feeling of fear? A feeling of fear means you feel fear. A spirit of fear wants to control what you do. Are you guys following me? So fear is the feeling, the purpose is control. Why don't you say that with me? Fear is the feeling, the purpose is control. It's not like the spirit of fear is like, man, I can't wait to make these people feel so afraid today. His purpose is, I want to control what they do. When we don't submit a feeling or thought of fear to truth, we allow a lie to form. What was Paul talking about? Strongholds, right? We allow a lie to form a stronghold. And what is a stronghold? It's a fortified thought pattern. So let me give you an illustration. I kind of did already, but um, let's say you're walking in the woods, just strolling in the woods. And you see a bear. You have a feeling of fear, right? So you get out of there. You get home, you're safe. And hopefully, after that moment, the feeling subsides because the danger isn't there anymore, right? So feelings... A fear are temporal, but a spirit will entrench itself in a lie, causing the feeling to stay with you after the encounter. So a feeling of fear that are not submitted to truth give an open door to the spirit of fear. So let's say I get home and that feeling will not go away because I'm not submitting it to truth, right? I'm not saying, okay, that was not cool. I need to be more careful. You know, I, you know, you submit it to truth. I'm home safe, but I don't deal, I don't address it with truth. And so what happens is you say, you know what? I can't go on walks anymore. What is the spirit of fear trying to do? Trying to control you. Okay. A feeling of fear. We all have them. We all have thoughts of fear, right? But when it starts, when it starts to control you, that's when it's stepping into a spirit. So you go to bed at night and you have a dream about being killed by a bear, right? You encountered a bear, you got home safe, but now you're having dreams about bears. Uh, You go through your kid's books and say, 
Goldilocks and the three bears? I don't think so. They're not going to be learning how you should bring bears into the house. <laughs> and you make sure everybody aware is aware of the bear problem <laughs> in the community. You actually create a bear coalition. <laughs> yeah, Facebook messages, right? Are you seeing the difference? It was okay to have that feeling of fear, a feeling. But if we don't submit a feeling of fear to truth, what happens? It starts controlling our life. Because fear is a feeling, but control is the purpose. This example may be funny, but... Many times we do this with people. We do it with current events, right? You see what was on the news? Start prepping, right? You got to get the soups stuff. (laughs) And sometimes we do that with simple misunderstandings. You know, when I was talking to them, they kind of breathed heavy a little bit. I wonder if they're upset with me. They probably are upset with me after I said that dumb thing earlier. And then when I'm around them, I feel uncomfortable. All from a feeling of fear, but now it's starting to control. Fear's not okay, guys. I I think if we can have that mindset, fear, the purpose of fear is not to make you feel afraid. It's to control you. So when you have fear, recognize there is a spirit that is actively trying to control your decisions. I think that, I think that makes us have a different stance. To make it obedient. Come on. One of the most common responses to fear is control. The deception is we believe that we are the one trying to control, but rather it's a spirit at work. That's a deception. I made the bear care a coalition. I let everybody know. I took the bear books out of my kid's library. We don't watch bear movies. And what am I trying to do? I'm trying to control, thinking I'm trying to control it. But what's happening is a spirit is at work. Come on. Ay, ay, ay. Fear makes me upset. The feeling is fear. Control is the purpose. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. For this reason, I remind you. We just talked about fear, right? Let's go back to what Paul said. For this reason, I remind you. To fan into flame the gift of God, which is which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or a coward, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Let's go back to Galatians 6, 9. This is where we started. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 
Why do we invest all this time planting good seeds so that the enemy can steal our harvest? We do it so that we can reap a good harvest. Like I said, I don't know about you, but I plant good seeds so that I can reap a good harvest. So there are plenty of reasons why we should pull back, become disheartened, give up or become passive. But what is inside of you that burns for more? What's inside of you that burns for more? What did I say early, earlier? Fear always comes to replace a dim gifting. So if we, now listen, if we have a place of fear or we're dealing with a stronghold of fear, could it be that's where our gifting is, but we haven't stirred it up? I'll let you chew on that one for a little bit. What giftings have yet to be realized? What dreams have yet to be experienced? Don't you realize the flame is still burning? Breathe on it. Let me say this. The enemy does not have the power to blow out the gifting. Why? It's a gift from God. So even though that the gifting might be dimmed, or almost seem non-existent, it is still there because it's a gift. So what now? I, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Jesus' name. Lord, right now, I just decree in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit breathes upon that flame that you've lit with inside of us. And right now, I thank you that you've given me the wisdom to confront the spirit of fear. And Lord, right now, I expose his lies. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I declare and decree that that flame, that gifting, that fire that's... On the inside of us will burn bright in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, right now, we just receive it. So just allow the Holy Spirit, we just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to those things within our hearts. I know I covered a lot of things, but it's really the work of the Holy Spirit that makes it all make sense. (laughs) So right now, we just open our heart in Jesus' name. Just take a moment and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Thank you, Father.